Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. Christy, Ben, hola. Hola. Good morning. Amigo. That's it. That's, this isn't a bilingual podcast. I just wanted to mix that in. Uh, but I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you had okay. to delete, if you had to delete all but three apps on your iPhone or your smartphone, what three apps would you keep? Three apps. Oh, oh. Um, I would keep the driving app, whatever that one oh, is. Oh, yeah. Google Maps or whatever. Maps. Google, Maps. Google Maps. I would keep my weather map thing because I look oh, at that yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I would keep, I, I, I would keep two. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even take advantage of that third. Can I have Christy's third app? You want a rollover <laughs> app? I feel like I might need, I might need four. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I would, I would keep my planner. I use, I use this uh, planning software. I've used it for years called OmniFocus, uh, which uses like a productivity system called getting things done. Anyway, I don't know how I'd live without having that on my phone and my computer because when I think of things that I need to do, I just like, just put it right in my phone. So mm-hmm. I think I'd keep that one. I think I would keep, like I've got a workout app that I use that mm. is super helpful to just have on your phone, right? Because it just tells you it's time to start your next set. Here's what you're doing today. I probably have to keep that one, at least for now. Um, and I probably keep my podcast app so I can listen to podcasts while I work out. Oh, yeah. Those would be the three that I think, I'm looking at my phone right now. Like, do, does this assume that the phone app is just part of how the phone works. Like, yes. can I still take phone calls? I think I the apps pictures. that come, the apps that come on the phone, <laughs> maybe are not. You have oh, these are the okay. apps you have to download. Okay, right? yeah. Which so maybe lets me lets mm. me get away from. I can use Apple Maps, so I can oh. I can have three others. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then I have right? Apple Music, so I'm good there. You're good there. Ooh. Wow. Do you have a subscription though? Because I I have Spotify instead. Oh yeah, no, we do family family Apple. I guess, uh, yeah, I could maybe switch over if I had to get rid of my music app. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those would be the three that I would pick. Matt, what would you pick? Uh, Candy Crush, TikTok, and Snapchat. <laughs> Bejeweled. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no. And you have a great relationship with your kids. Look at and that. You're like the kid, best dad. And every kid in the universe. Yep. Yeah. That's just me and the kids. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I, it's the apps I use most often. Spotify, podcast, uh, my GPS app. But probably that same workout app. Ben and I use the same workout app. Uh, FitBod. We probably should start one called DadBod. DadBod, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if it doesn't quite it. describe me yet. <laughs> but it's, it's aspirational. It's aspirational. You Fit bod, if you, the more you use, yeah, it's like a yearly subscription. Um, and then I would say I, I use this video app called Marco Polo a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably that one. And then this is going to sound, this is very niche. But uh, I have a barbecue Bluetooth thermometer app for yeah. my meat babies sometimes when I put my meat babies on the grill. Please, no. And it'd be really hard to <laughs> to grill those little little delicious meat babies without my without barbecue. Without having the notification on how, without how my barbecue without my without my barbecue app. So I've had to go there. Yeah. You cannot say meat babies. Like it's just yeah. how I, hot I, are the meat babies? You can't <laughs> But that's a question that Matt apparently asks a lot. How this hot are my meat babies? This yep. is good that we have different genders represented on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. There's a lot of people just listen to you that are cringing right now and well, don't, can't relate. I, can't relate. Tell you what. Well, I'm glad they could relate to you cringing, <laughs> Christy. You're cringe right. People. It is, it's, it's really, really helpful. Don't Thank cringe you, before you've tried it. Okay. So come on over. Have some meat with <laughs> oh, me. Hey, there's a, there, to Christy, in Christy's defense, there's a difference between the meat that you smoke, which is delicious, and calling it meat babies. This that's is the difference. True. That's, yeah, I think, that's, what Christy's pointing out. Yes, yes. All right. Well, yeah. uh, my, pr- my precious ones, oh, I don't know what to call precious. them. They're so, they're so wonderful. Well, precious. So let's move on to what, flesh. Who did you interview? Because no. I wasn't a part of this interview. <laughs> well, this was a unique one. Like, uh, it wasn't really had, an interview. We had Johnny Rashid on, who is a social media friend. He's written a book called Jesus Takes Sides. It's about the political implications of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but he and I were discussing something I wrote, which was kind of weird. So Ben led the interview. Uh, yeah. Because- so yeah, we just thought. Um, yeah, we just thought. I, I uh, we we wrote it. Uh, sorry, Matt wrote an article, a brief article on his Substack uh, about anger, uh, two kinds of anger, and we thought this would make an interesting uh, conversation. And we just decided to throw Johnny Rashid in there because I think Johnny retweeted it or something like that. So mm-hmm. we knew that Johnny was aware of it and um, have interacted with him a little bit online. So. It was it was a fun discussion talking about two kinds of anger and how they show up in the world uh, in concrete ways and how to discern the difference power dynamics. I mean, we got into all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, great. Mm. It was good. good. Johnny's a Mennonite pastor, uh, Egyptian American. I believe he's in New York City. Is that right? Yeah. Mm, I anyway. think he's North Carolina. North Carolina, he, same yeah. right, same somewhere. Both start east. with N. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a great conversation. Really challenging for me in many ways. Like Johnny's got a unique perspective, a good perspective, and it was great to hear get his voice. Uh, yeah. yeah, in concert with uh, this discussion. So, yeah, it was good. Well, I feel like I, I've missed you guys because I wasn't part of it. I know, Christine. I was in yeah. New York. No, I was not in New York. I just said that. <laughs> Denver, which Denver, is like yeah. the New York of Colorado. Pretty much the same thing. If, you know, yeah. New York, um, North Carolina, Denver. Where are we? Yeah, every, exactly. Every place is New York. I was in Denver. With, uh, you were in Denver? 
youth group kids, like kids from oh, my hey. church. And we were working uh, with yes. some homeless friends. So oh, I missed it. So I'm excited right. to listen. Hmm. Well, yeah. I think that's all we, uh, is that is that all we have here? I Any think announcements so. to make? Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. All right, let's we'll get into it. All right, let's do it. Here we go. So uh, a few days ago, Matt wrote an article about two kinds of anger, the legitimate anger of the oppressed that tells the truth about injustice and the illegitimate anger of the powerful who seek to maintain their own privilege at the expense of others. And uh, talked about in this article that if we can't tell the difference, we lump all expressions of anger together and anger itself then seems to become our main concern, our main problem. We often call this polarization or disunity. And uh, we develop what I think we can be described as an allergy to anger that serves to hide injustice. So we wanted to talk uh, in a bit more depth about this issue, anger um, and uh, power and everything else that uh, might come along with it. So Matt and I thought it would be fun to invite uh, somebody that we know online, but never met in person, but here we are, um, Johnny Rashid to join us to talk about this uh, anger, power, and the unavoidable political dimensions of the gospel. Johnny Rashid is a pastor of West Philadelphia Mennonite Fellowship, which is a Mennonite Church USA congregation in Philadelphia. He blogs at johnnyrashid.com, and his book, Jesus Takes a Side, was published by Herald Press in 2022. Johnny and Matt, welcome to the Gravity Podcast. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I use he, him pronouns, and I, uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Right. Um, to talk about what uh, what righteous anger is. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, super interesting topic. Yeah. Well, um, maybe for those of our listeners who might be unfamiliar, Johnny, maybe um, just give a little a broader introduction to you yourself, your work um, for our listeners. So I'm an Anabaptist pastor. I'm an Egyptian-American. My parents immigrated to the U.S., but I was born here. Um, I grew up fundamentalist and became an Anabaptist as I opposed the global war on terror, the uh, invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan, which really formed my faith. And I've been following Jesus in that way, in that peace and justice-oriented way for some time. Um, I am out as demisexual and pan-romantic. Um, and so I'm also, I'm brown and queer. I use he, him pronouns. Um, and my faith and my politics are all connected to my body. Hmm. As uh, a child of immigrants, as a brown person, as a queer person, all of these things help me to understand how how my faith and politics work. And these two things are very connected. Yes, so, yes. Um, very good. I write about actually engaging politically and not being afraid to do that, which I think a lot of Christians are. Yes. Um, and I think that does relate to kind of our topic tonight. Today yeah. Too. Yeah. I think that, I think that's why um, we thought it would be good to have you in the midst of this conversation instead of just having Matt and I talk um, just because um, yeah, because of everything you just said. So, um, and we'll get to that issue. I think there, there is a fear that um, a lot of Christians, mainly white Christians have in terms of engaging um, 
faith and politics and sort of understanding the the ramifications of those two things. And so we'll get to that. Uh, but Matt, maybe first of all, let's let's uh, pivot back to your article that we're talking about um, as a launching point for our discussion. Um, maybe you can say a bit more about kind of these two kinds of anger that you talked about uh, in the article. I briefly introduced them, but like, what are, what, what are you seeing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's good to be uh, here. And Johnny, I'm so glad you're here too. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've just been noticing that uh, growing up, anger was scripted for me negatively. Um, I think uh, just my own story has a lot to do with uh, like a, growing up in a household with kind of rageaholic anger. And then learning, not learning necessarily how to control my emotions very well, and then hurting people with my anger as a younger man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the ways I, I just learned how to assert my agency was through anger, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, once I decided that I was, uh, that I didn't want to hurt people anymore, <laughs> uh, that anger sometimes did bad work for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I think I swear just flew the whole other direction. Like anger's bad, stay away from anger. And I had an allergy to being angry or angry people. Um, And so I think I projected my own uh, unrighteous anger. I think I projected my, the pejorative bias I had against that against all anger. And it took me a long time to see that, um, yeah, not all anger is created equal. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think what, what, what got me to write this post, uh, this this article, was just the fact that I think there's some people that that manufacture anger for the sake of consolidating or keeping or gaining power. Yeah. So they'll start um, they'll start some kind of scan. They'll start some sort of like bad thing that's happening, right? So there's a caravan of immigrants heading for the border. Yeah. Oh, I, we haven't heard anything about that caravan for a while. Yeah. <laughs> right, because we moved on to other things that are now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was the CRT was this thing that's drumming up anger, right? Then there were yeah. drag queens reading books to kids, and now it's the trans agenda. And I, and I, I noticed that this it's meant to like grab people and make them afraid and angry because there's ain't nothing like a stimulated limbic system mm-hmm. to get people to do something, yeah, right. Um, and I realized that that that's like that's gross anger. That's like that's like that's like stirring up division and polarization for the sake of crass, uh, narcissistic, uh, godless power. Um, but that's not the same. That's not that's qualitatively different than um, than the injustice. I mean, I was just I was just messaging with a friend online today. Some. Um, someone's daughter was sexually abused by their pastor and Mm -hmm. the church that it happened at, the church keeps talking about all the fallout from that, but, but not talking about the survivors. It's always about like how much time this investigation is taking and, and these leaders are centering themselves as the victim. Right. And she's angry. She's angry that like, that that her daughter, her nine year old daughter, mm-hmm. uh, when, when this happened, is being erased, yeah. and that and that this leader is presenting themselves as the real victim here. Let's fast and pray for a quick resolution to this. And and I I just I, I can't lump in the anger being stirred up by f- by fake scapegoats 
mm-hmm. with the anger this mother has that there's been no justice for her daughter for five years, and that whenever this thing is talked about, she's erased. Yeah. Those are those are not the same thing. And so I kind of just trying to tease out my thoughts about this, man. I'm trying mm-hmm. to learn how to be angry. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to learn how to be angry in a holy way. Yeah, yeah. Be angry and sin not, as the Bible says. And now, a word from a sponsor. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's get back into our conversation. Johnny, I wonder if you could ample or expand on this a little bit. I think you may have uh, retweeted the article or something like that. You, yeah, you I really appreciated what Matt wrote. Ampl- yeah. Um, I wonder if you could just say, what, what is it that you appreciated about it? And how does this relate to some of the themes of your work? I appreciate that it's distinguishing different kinds of anger, the anger of the oppressed and the anger of the... Uh, um, of those with a persecution <laughs> complex. I'm just going to say it like that. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and the reason it's important to distinguish these is because there is a moderate voice that says reduces this to like, hey, the right wing anger and the left wing anger are the same. Yeah. You know, the insurrection on the Capitol is the same as riots after police kill black people. You know, that's a good same example. idea. Yeah. That's like. That's the idea. That's the that's the concept. Now, categorically, they're different for two reasons. One, police actually kill black people, and two, the election wasn't stolen. So, like, they're not. <laughs> they're, we're not even dealing with the same. It's not a reality. You know, yeah, one side yeah. made made something up, yeah. and actually manufactured anger, and the other side is finally just saying we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you have to hear. Our cry, the yeah. the 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 creation is groaning, is kind of like the image I bring yeah. when mm-hmm. I think about sin in the world that causes people to rise up. I mean, the thing is, I do think that oppressed people are slow to anger. I think it takes <laughs> a long time. Yeah. I mean, if I got angry every time someone was racist to me, I'd never get anything done in my life. <laughs> like we just, yeah. most of the time, you just let it go, you push it aside. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes you just get overwhelmed. Yeah. And it's tricky because people expect you to be polite, to expect you to work it out, be nice, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. don't cause any problems. And yeah. when you do, they're shocked by it. You know, yeah. we want to be seen for our feelings. Yeah. Like, I am so upset I'm acting differently than I normally would. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of uh, a lot of white people would prefer it if we were more polite. Can't can't we civilly disagree? Mm-hmm. You know, why does everybody yeah. that disagrees with you have to be a fascist or a racist yeah. or a, a homophobe? You know. Yeah, I think that 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 does name. I think one of the dynamics that makes this uh, a tricky issue because uh, there's two different distinctions here that I, I want to tease out in our conversation. One, one is that even though the Black Lives Matter protests and the insurrection on the Capitol, if you didn't know any context about the reasons that those things are happening, right? One is rooted in truth. 
One is rooted in um, falsity, lies. One is rooted in um, somebody who's been on the underside of power seeking equality and, and justice. The other one is rooted in people who've been on the uh, over, <laughs> I was going to say oversight of power, but I don't know if that's a word, but people who have been in power seeking to maintain that power and privilege um, at the expense of those who are on the underside of power. And so, so those, are, those are distinctions. But if you saw photos or just videos, right, of if an alien came to earth and saw those things happening, they would think these look very similar. There's angry people shouting, demonstrating, you know, like sometimes uh, maybe even um, doing violent things, right? Um, and they look very similar, and we have to discern between those two things. Um, so I think that's, um, that's really helpful. Um, what, what, and I think the other thing that, um, that I, the other distinction that I want to make, and maybe you guys can uh, help me tease this out here, but is, you know, you, you mentioned that there was lies basically intentionally cultivated about, um, that, that, and Matt, you talked about this as well, that there are, there are these people who are in power who are, I think on purpose, intentionally creating and stirring up fear and anger. Yes. So that's one, that's one type of person. But I'm also very interested in the type of person that is susceptible to having their anger and fear stirred up, who might not be intent. Like there's a different kind of person there, right? That when they don't discern the difference between these two kinds of angers, they end up perpetuating harm, but almost unwittingly, mm-hmm. right? And so I wonder what it is, if you guys have thought about this, what, what is it that makes people susceptible to having their anger and their fear sort of hijacked by people who kind of know what they're doing, but and having that kind of steered in the direction of uh, perpetuating these power dynamics that that we're trying to un- dis- dismantle. What's the allure of the centrist, the moderate position? Why do people the moderate to the moderate position to see both sides as angry? Right. Yeah. The 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 people who say, oh, these uh, we we shouldn't be you know we shouldn't be angry. So let's make anger the main problem. What's the allure of that position for people? So this week, Pat Robertson died, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a few weeks ago, Tim Keller died. Um, I'm going to get an, I feel anxious telling you this. But <laughs> Pat Robertson said gay people caused hurricanes and 9-11 and all this crazy stuff. Right, yeah. You know, just, fl- just so over the top, you know. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that this is, cr- he's bad, you know, mm-hmm. except for a very small few. He's so outrageous. Yeah. But you know what Tim Keller said? Your depression is caused by your sexuality. Mm. All right. Both of those things. To me, they're just a matter of tone. That's the difference between those two. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump is tone. Although I don't even think there is much. <laughs> of, I, I don't want to get into that. DeSantis is working much. hard at it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there is this idea that if you are polite about your oppression, if if yeah. about your oppressive views, if you can just get along, then we're yeah. going to love you, you know? Right. Um, right. And so the allure is they're not making me uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's that's what's positive to them. Whereas yeah. like hmm. the people even on the right that are angry at least have real feelings. They mm. do think, yeah, my life is going to change. Immigrants are going to change my life. They're going to invade my community. Right. You know, my kids, they're going to force my kids to change their genders. Just crazy conspiracies. It's not true. Right. But 
it's what they're told and it's what they, and it, and then it unlocks an insecurity inside of them. That's real. You know, they're yes. worried. I'm going to lose power. I'm going to lose wealth. I'm going to lose property. Yeah. Um, I'm already insecure and bad things are going to happen to me. Yes. And so they have a real feeling. It's just not rooted in reality. Um, yeah. And they do need to be shepherded away yeah. from that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Or just society needs to change and so they will change too. Right, right. That like if society does change, they'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, like that, that, won't, that won't be so bad either. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You have more thoughts about this, Matt? Like what, what do you think the allure is of this kind of centrist, moderate um, positioning? Well, I, th- I think we all want to be, we all want to feel pious. I think it gives the allure of, of being above the fray, Mm. Not not in the muckety muck. Yeah. Um, I think it. I think it's also. I've, I've called it kind of culture war PTSD. Johnny, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. You, you mentioned growing up in a fundamentalist home. Mm-hmm. I didn't. But I, I. I. A lot of my friends that did who grew up. Um, you know, under Bill Gothard stuff or hardcore focus on the family stuff. They were so burned by the culture war that they want to stay as far away from any kind of oppositional, mm-hmm. uh, making anybody out to be bad. They want to stay as far away from that as possible because they associate that tone and tenor with the culture war. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so for them, it's hard to differentiate between stirring up a culture war to justify our persecution complex, to go back to what you said, Johnny, or I'm opposing this harm by the system being done to my daughter because they won't rectify the wrong. There seems to be an inability to be able to delineate that those are two different things. It's really hard for people that grew up in the religious right, I mean, to think any sort of um, engaging in political conflict, political discussion is good for Christians. Yeah. They have a very, they saw the worst of it. It's like scorched earth or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, the evangelicals did this. The religious right was bad. Why do I want to be the religious left? You know, right. yeah. um, and it is a unique problem because um, I think it's a unique problem for 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 um, white people because in the black church there's always been political engagement, right? You know, yeah. and yeah. there's been abolitionist movements, there's been civil rights movement. These things have been deeply political, you know, and so it's like this time and place, like. I think it might, might even be endemic among millennials, like, because we haven't had a major political struggle um, in the same way. Um, mm. We haven't fought for rights in the same way. It's a little surprising, but, like, mm. yeah, it, it seems like that's largely the case, that they don't, they haven't had an opportunity to engage. What's the, and, and maybe they're, they have jobs, they have resources, they're okay. So the material plight isn't, something that they experience. Um, so then why get mad at someone at Thanksgiving? Why make people uncomfortable? Yeah. Why? We're not supposed to talk about politics, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like starting an argument about nothing. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. think that's, yeah, Johnny, that's really good to, to just uh, build on that. I think there's supremacy culture does you dirty. It makes you unable to be wrong, unable to be not listened to, unable to take, uh, to be quiet or to take a secondary or minority position in any given thing so that 
so that when the Cracker Barrel posts on social media that they are wishing people a happy Pride Month, we take it personally, you know? And now it's an all-out war on Bud Light and Cracker Barrel and the chosen TV show, you know? And we and we, lo- we lose it because we're supremacy culture, I think, makes us brittle and rigid and unable to live with difference. And, and I think then the moderate position then is like, to hell with it all. Like, everybody's wrong, and we're going to just try to live at peace with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the fr- it's so interesting to consider this because pride flag on the, fr- on the chosen set. I, ca- I keep wanting to say the frozen set because that's like the – I have kids. <laughs> the that'd frozen chosen? That would be a different movie. So, yeah. <laughs> on the chosen set, right? And they're upset about the flag. Yeah. And there is a group of people who think – I mean, maybe not like this exactly, but a Confederate flag, one Confederate flag and one pride flag. Like, oh, you guys are getting so upset about a tiny thing. It's just a pride flag. It's just a Confederate flag. Like, they can't tell the difference. There is a difference. Yeah. You know, and you have to keep naming that difference. That, you know, and and I think we see this all over the place. Like, Perry Bacon Jr. just wrote this column for the Washington Post this week where – he says, if you're a conservative in a liberal area, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is someone is going to be woke or <laughs> rebuke you harshly. But if you're um, a minority in a red state, your rights are on the line. If you're a woman in a red state, your health is on the line. Uh, there are things being taken from you. Yeah. And, and, it's just there is there is something to be angry about mm-hmm. yeah. on one side yeah. to go back to this idea of anger. And on the other side, um, there's something to work out in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I give an example here of, of mm-hmm. kind of what I mean by stirring? When it, and it relates to this pride thing. There's, there's a story being passed around, Johnny, on social media. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, but it's a tweet. And the tweet says, a teacher at a junior high school in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, tells Muslim pupils off for skipping school to avoid LGBTQ pride events, right? And it's an audio recording. I haven't listened to it (laughs) because I've seen so many people tweet about it, but it's an audio recording of a teacher basically berating Muslim students for protesting LGBTQ. And what I've seen is religious conservatives using this audio recording from a teacher in a classroom in Canada as evidence that pride isn't about acceptance. Pride is about totalitarian domination, like, like flipping the supremacy script. And this is what I mean by like manufacturing anger, because this is, this isn't something there isn't a, there isn't a multi-billion dollar funded political candidate who's stumping around the country, giving this speech. This is an isolated teacher in Canada saying something in her classroom that we could debate the merits of, right? So, so in my mind, this is like seizing on this single happening and blowing it up to be on one side, you've got the alt-right. On the other side, you've got the supremacist pride people. And I just think it's a complete false equivalency. I see it as like 
taking yeah. a taking a minority thing, no pun intended, that's very that's not indicative of the entire pride movement, and 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 making it the same as MAGA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, Johnny. Am, am I seeing that in a way? How do you see that differently? Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is um, often an exaggerated response, especially when there's a kernel that confirms the biases of one side. Yeah, they go real intense good. with it. That's really good. You know? Um, and I think that, I mean, the issue surrounding trans people is a good example. There's like barely over a thousand kids, teenagers that have engaged in any kind of hormone therapy at all. I heard the you know? stat 200 a year. It's about yeah, 200 it's something a year. like that. And it's like, how is this getting so much attention? Right. Like, why is it? Because it's a carrot. It's a, it's, 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 you know, there's other motives too behind it. There's this, uh, there's political power. There's all sorts of influence that yeah. comes with it, you know? Um, yeah. And then the sad reality is we're actually dealing with increased uh, suicide ideation, you know, when it comes right. to these th issues, you know, kids, yeah. teens thinking it's better to kill themselves than to just be themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's worth being angry about. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to be cute about that because it's going to cost somebody someone's life, yeah. you know? And on the other side, you have right-wing people saying, well, I'm not, I feel just as passionately. And so we just need to get to a place where we can uh, name the truth plainly. Yeah. We'll be right back. Let's get back to the show. Speaking of naming the truth, Pranley, Johnny, um, I'd love to hear more about you. You you started off our time together by by describing yourself now as queer, and you used some language to describe that. I'd love for you to chat more about if you are comfortable how how you came to identify like that. But I want to share on the back end of what you said. I think it was a watershed moment for me when I realized when I when I held kind of this like LGBTQ is wrong line. I realized that I, I'd rather be, I'd rather quote be right about sexuality over a dead queer person's body mm -hmm. than be wrong about it and have them live. And I realized when I when I when I put it like that, when I thought about it like that, I was disgusted with myself. Like, it, it really it really boils down to do I want do I want people to be alive? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and work through the tragic consequences of living in a late neoliberal, modern capitalistic yeah. hellhole where, where sexuality and bodies are, uh, are so confusing. Um, in, some, in some ways, Matt, it's kind of like a, a version of tithing your mint and your dill, right? And neglecting the greater matters, perhaps. Yeah. Right, I, sort of well, being being correct about something loomed larger for you than the greater matters. Is that kind of what well, you're saying? That's one way to say it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I think I just realized, like, I think I just realized is that the, if that's the cost of me being right, <laughs> that sucks. Right, like, that really sucks. Yeah. So maybe I'm not right. <laughs> like, like it was kind of like one of those things. Yeah. But I don't know, Johnny. How how do you? I mean, you mentioned early on that you, in your body, you carry this stuff, like it matters to you. Um, and I, I'd love to hear you expound upon that if you're comfortable. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I know what it's like to be closeted, you know. I know what it's like to build the closets as a former evangelical pastor. I know what it's like to do that, and it is devastating. It is harmful, you know. Um, and so rather than, on one hand, rather than defend myself, my interpretation of the Bible, my understanding of human sexuality, I ask people that have a non-affirming view, what do you do with the suicide rate? What do you do with all this death? How do you solve that problem? Because that's a problem you have to solve. I think that's a problem you're creating. Your theology does this. 38% of gay people that are churched have a, th sorry, gay people have a 38% increased likelihood of suicidal ideation if they are churched. Lesbians have a 50% increased likelihood. Yeah. That means they're better off not being in church, y'all. So when a queer person leaves your non-affirming congregation, it is for their life, you know? So we, that's, we yeah, got to talk about that, you know? Johnny, yeah, can I throw, I know you know this, but I'm going to say it because it's, it's gross, but it's, but, but the, the diseased theological imagination that exists in a lot of, a lot of white evangelical spaces would respond to that. Well, none of us deserve our life anyway. Right? There's this justification, there's almost this uh, dismissal of suicide as, well, uh, apart from Christ, all of us deserve to be eternally, consciously tormented forever. So, I, I feel the rhetorical impact of what you're saying, mm -hmm. but for so many people, their theology excludes them from experiencing the horror of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and then we get to deeper issues, you know. Um, it's the same reason they don't care about climate change, you know. This is all going to go anyway. It's a, kind of a, a different way of imagining. It's, I, I mean, eschatology matters, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, these things inform our politics, what we think God will do, how we think God redeems the world. You know, what does the cross mean? Mm -hmm. Did Jesus come to defeat death? If death is defeated, then our job as Christians is to do the same on earth. You know, keep people alive, fight death. You know, <laughs> like I, I don't like do our best to mm -hmm. engage because life is good and God came to give us life and to free us. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, we're promised eternal life and yes, we'll be saved. Yeah. But present suffering um, we make the most of our present suffering, you know, we, uh, we, we, just like Paul did, but we don't, we don't increase it so as yeah. to build mm -hmm. character or something, you know, yeah. we, 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 we lament it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe just to <clears throat> recap here as we maybe bring the conversation a little bit to a close, I think this, the idea of sort of staying above the fray seems to be attractive because it allows people who are already comfortable with the status quo to just to not get involved in something that is going to make them an enemy, you know, of, of powerful people. Um, and it's not going to disrupt the comfort that they currently have. Right. Um, and so it is a really, I think feel it was a really tempting option um, for us to sort of see all anger as the same and say, let's mm -hmm. just not be angry. Like let's, let's not treat these things as a big deal. And there's all kinds of embodied reasons that I don't think are very they're not articulated very much, but that oftentimes seems to be the driving factor, right? Is like the, the desire to maintain comfort, the desire not to make enemies um, is, is uh, present there. 
Um, ben, can I, I add, can I add one yeah. more thing to that? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a massive loss of proximity to power and resources when you either a leave the culture war and b leave white moderacy. Yeah. Because a white moderacy is kind of kind of an acceptable position, kind of. Like you're not really making them happy, but you're not in the crosshairs. Right. But so white moderacy lets you opt out of the culture war, but still maintain access to power and privilege. Mm. But once, but once you, uh, once you realize that Jesus took sides, Johnny, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> once you realize that Jesus took sides, uh, then you cannot be, stay a white moderate. That's right. Yeah. And and you lose something. Yes. Yes. I think that's important. Um, and I think this, there's another thing that I um, am hearing in this conversation is things get clarified when we're willing to put our, throw our hat in the ring, like put our bodies on the line. If we're actually in embodied solidarity with marginalized people, then things become very clear. Um, and that, but if we're not in embodied solidarity with marginalized people, it all does look a little bit like ideological arguments. It's all happening online. It's all on Twitter. And I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to be part of this. You know, it all looks like that because you don't actually see or feel the effect of these arguments online and in the legislatures of our country and all of this stuff. You don't actually see the effect on human bodies, which is what you said earlier, Johnny, like people's bodies are actually being harmed by these kinds of things. This isn't an argument about what color we should paint the house. Right. I think that that's the, that's sometimes the framing that I hear when people lament polarization is this, as that's if right. we're arguing that's about right. something inconsequential, but we're not, we're arguing about people's lives, which is why it has everything to do with the gospel. Um, so anyway, Matt, at the end of your article, I think you, you, you wrote a couple questions. I think that were really helpful for us discerning to, you know, if you're listening, if our listeners are listening to this and you're thinking, you know what, I would like to grow in my ability to perceive the power dynamics and the, you know, what's at work, the, the two different kinds of anger that we've talked about in this podcast. I think these questions are really helpful. So I'm going to read these questions and then um, uh, y'all can maybe make one more comment before um, we've got to go. I got to, I got to take off here in a couple <laughs> minutes. Um, so here's the questions. Who has the power? And how are they using it? Who benefits? How? Is this benefit in alignment with God's kingdom in Christ? Who pays for this benefit? How does the benefit create disparity, equality, or an injustice? Does the intensity or degree of anger fit the actual situation? Is it based on truth or falsity? And then what's the call to action? What, what is the anger seeking uh, to, to do. Anger always seeks to do something in the world. Is it disenfranchisement? Is it violence? Is it punishment? Or is it justice, empowerment, and equality? Do you guys have any, any more uh, comments about those questions, how they help us discern? Johnny, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those questions. I mean, questions. I think they're good questions. You know, mm -hmm. thinking about how it affects the most marginalized among us. Yeah where the anger is coming from just seems to be so crucial, yeah. you know? Um, and, 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 you know, I think it's helpful for us to also consider anger when it comes from a falsely persecuted people, you know, 
Yeah. Like what? It's, I think that's also important. Not not so that that it's justified, just so we have an idea. You know, they're not crazy. They're experiencing something. You know. Yes. And yes. and so we so so that so that we can actually be angry at the right things. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I. It was really clarifying for me, Johnny. I, and I think this is what you're saying. It's really clarifying for me that um, you know I've got friends and relatives who have kind of gotten taken in by MAGA stuff. And it was clarifying for me when I realized that I could have, I could actually have compassion for them because they've been taken in, like they've been duped by the actual villains here (laughs) who are the people who know what they're doing. But, you know, my friends and relatives who've gotten taken in, they don't know, they don't, like, they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a, there's, like you said before, some pastoral care, some shepherding that, that these people need, um, that I think, and truth telling, um, obviously, but, um, there's a difference in my mind between the people who kind of stir this stuff up on purpose and the people who are going along for the ride and, and need to be, you know, uh, shepherded. It's it's tricky because the, the, the insiders of the anchor have the trust of these people Yes, more than their pastor does. Like so a well-meaning pastor has an hour a week at best to influence right. them, whereas they get bombarded by this all week long. You know, yeah. it's just like it's not even a fair fight, really. Yeah, it's um, really well. And so, like, yeah. it's important for us to understand what our boundaries are too. Like, if they trust their sources and their ideas and their social media feeds and their talk radio and cable news more than us, mm-hmm. be mindful of how much investment you pour in yes. for such a little outcome. You know, That's for good. me, it's like, use your stuff to uplift the oppressed. Give them your best stuff. Yeah. Don't just argue with with uh, contrarians all day. That's a good word, Johnny. That's a good word. Well, any last words from either of you all before we go? This has been a great conversation. Uh, the only thing, I maybe just to... Yeah, just to offer this is I, I feel like uh, me and anger still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, um, I still get I still have a whole lot of like anger that comes up with my kids. That's not righteous anger. It's like right. you just didn't listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like you right. like you're you're just not you're making my life more complicated. Or yeah. now I feel like I don't have as much uh, power because mm-hmm. you want something different than me. So like I it's very complicated for me. I yeah. think. I think what I would like to just, I'd like to foment a conversation around reclaiming sobriety around what is worth our anger and what isn't. Yeah. You know, and and say, um, you know, um, rhetoric that endangers the lives of, or rhetoric that wants to tell us that maybe a thousand people total in our country are coming for your way of life. When <laughs> when they're just 16-year-olds who have top surgery scheduled who are trying not to commit suicide. Right. Like, like I, I want us to have a s- sobriety of mind as Christians to say, enough scapegoating this person. Yeah. Let's reserve our anger for things that deserve it. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately, but... Uh, the price gouging is out of control, right. out of control. Companies are making record profits. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. nuts. Let's be angry about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's, uh, it sounds like maybe a key part of learning to discern the difference, the differences between these kinds of angers out there in the world is probably learning to discern that within ourselves, right? Yeah. That I, I can experience anger at injustice, but I can also experience anger, uh, when I feel slighted or when, you know, somebody's going to take my toy away. Um, and if we can learn to discern that within us, then it'll be a lot easier, I think, to discern it where it's, where it's happening out there. So, well, uh, y'all, thanks. This is a fun uh, conversation to have. Yeah, thanks Just, so much uh, for inviting me, y'all. Yeah, this is great, Johnny. Um, love to have you back uh, for maybe more conversations sure. like this yeah johnny could you before you go could you tell us give us like the 20 second elevator speech about your most excellent book jesus takes sides <laughs> jesus takes a side it's about christians embracing the political demands of the gospel it uses my story it uses uh passages in the bible to explain what it looks like to take a side for christians who are hesitant to do that this isn't for right-wing christians to change their mind they've already taken their side it's for people that um, feel like it's impolite or improper to be politically engaged or unchristian even. Them see yeah. Or yeah. unchristian even. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, that's a much needed book. Um, we'll put a link to the show notes. Um, you can also subscribe to Johnny's blog, his Substack. We'll put a link there to that as well. Um, and Matt's, and you might as well subscribe to mine while you're at it. <laughs> do it. Um, I'll do it too, man. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, and if you have been helped by conversations like this one, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And also you can join the gravity community. If you go to gravityleadership.com slash join, uh, look forward to seeing you all uh, another time. Peace friends. So long. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the gravity leadership podcast. If you're finding it helpful or enjoyable, we'd love it. If you'd tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can join our Gravity community online for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as our email most Fridays with curated links to articles we find interesting and helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our podcast is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the show. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.